Welcome to Crime, Corruption, and Cocktails, the true crime podcast where we look at cases of corruption and negligence and examine their historical and cultural implications. Today, I am drinking a glass of champagne. What do you have in Jenny? I'm drinking a glass of hot mulled wine. On today's episode, we're discussing the controversial death of Rebecca Zahau and the death of Max Shackney. Today's episode will feature talk of suicide and sexual assault. Rebecca Zahau was born on March 15, 1979 in the country of Burma. She was one of three daughters in a close-knit, devout Christian family. She was particularly close with her older sister, Mary. Their father was taken as a political prisoner and the family was forced to escape from Burma to Germany. They later moved to the United States. After immigrating to the U.S., Rebecca moved to Arizona. She was excited to start a new life. Rebecca was a well-educated woman who spoke six languages, was described as a very athletic and compassionate person. In 2002, she married Neil Nalipa, but the couple divorced in 2011. In 2009, Rebecca was arrested for shoplifting $1,000 worth of jewels at Macy's in Phoenix, Arizona. She pled guilty to a misdemeanor and paid a $500 fine before attending a shoplifting diversion course. This is the first and only run-in with the law that we know of Rebecca having. While living in Arizona, Rebecca worked as an ophthalmic technician. It was likely at work where she met her boyfriend, Jonah Shacknai. Jonah was the founder of the Medicis Pharmaceutical Corporation. He was also a 56-year-old multimillionaire who had three children from two previous marriages. Rebecca eventually quit her job in order to spend time with Jonah and his children. The couple loved spending time outdoors and exercising. They had been together two years at the time of Rebecca's death. Rebecca's sister Mary claimed her family did not know Jonah well and that Rebecca was sometimes left quote-unquote disappointed by the relationship because Jonah allowed his two teenage children to be rude to Rebecca and did not defend her. To Mary, Rebecca was a glorified nanny and was being taken advantage of by Jonah. However, Jonah's youngest child, six-year-old Max, loved Rebecca. Max was a warm child that was always smiling. Jonah described Rebecca as attentive to Max and a good influence on him. Mary also told the San Diego Reader that Jonah's ex-wife, Dina Romano, who was the mother of Max, was, quote, making Becky's life difficult, end quote, by being rude to her and requesting she not attend family get-togethers. Even Jonah admitted that Dina made things hard for Rebecca at times. According to Mary, Rebecca told her that the summer of 2011 was the last straw and that if the teenager's behavior did not change, she would consider leaving Jonah. That summer, Jonah, Rebecca, Rebecca's 13-year-old sister, Zena, Max, and Rebecca's dog, Ocean, left for vacation at the famous Spreckles Mansion in Coronado, California. The historic mansion served as the Shacknai's summer home. Dina also had a summer house nearby so she could spend time with Max and was in town during this vacation. On the morning of July 11, 2011, Max is reported to have fallen face first from the mansion's second floor staircase over the banister, grabbing a crystal chandelier near the staircase landing to break his fall and taking it down with him. Only Rebecca and Zena were home at the time and neither saw what happened. According to an interview Dina did with Phoenix Magazine, she and Jonah agreed Rebecca would not watch Max alone when other members of the Zahau family were present. Zena called 911 telling them Max had fallen down the stairs and that he wasn't breathing. When AMTs arrived, 
Max was laying on his back with his scooter and soccer balls nearby. Rebecca told police that she was in the downstairs bathroom and Zena was getting a shower upstairs before the accident. She told police that Max was awake when she found him and he called for Ocean before becoming unresponsive and performing CPR on him. She did give some inconsistent statements to the police. She first said that she did not see where Max fell from, but later said he fell from the second floor. Rebecca also told Mary in a phone call that Max was playing in the hallway when she suddenly heard a loud crash. When she ran out, she found Max on the floor unconscious. Mary also remembers Rebecca repeatedly saying, quote, Dina is going to kill me, end quote. A first responder would later testify that they too heard Rebecca saying, quote, Dina is going to kill me, end quote, while they were at the house. Jonah and Dina rushed to the hospital to be with their son in the ICU and stayed with him around the clock. Max had sustained injuries to his face and spinal cord, had brain swelling, and he had gone into cardiac arrest at some point during the accident. He was placed into a medically induced coma. However, he had no cuts on his hands, which did not match the report that he had grabbed onto the chandelier before his fall. Doctors said Max had gone without oxygen for 30 minutes, which caused brain damage and did not line up with Rebecca performing CPR. With the evidence and Max's injuries, police theorized Max was playing in the upstairs hallway on his scooter and had potentially slipped or tripped on something, causing him to fall over the banister with his scooter. On July 12th, Rebecca took Zena to the airport to fly home to Missouri a few days prior to her set departure. At the airport, Rebecca picked up Jonah's brother Adam, who was arriving from his home in Tennessee. Adam had dinner with Jonah and Rebecca the night of his arrival. Adam and Rebecca returned to the mansion while Jonah went back to the hospital. Adam would be staying in the property's guest house while Rebecca would be staying by herself in the main house. Adam told police he told Rebecca he was there if she wanted to talk before he went to bed. Dina asked her sister Nina Romano to talk to Rebecca and see if there was any more information that would help the doctors. To Dina and Nina, Rebecca had been evasive when answering questions. Nina went to the Spreckles mansion on the night of July 12th. She rang the doorbell, knocked, and looked into the window, but Rebecca never answered despite her car being in the driveway. Around 1 a.m., Jonah arrived at a Ronald McDonald house across from the hospital and spent the night and returned to the hospital around 7 a.m. Dina stayed at the hospital with Max all night. Around 6.48 a.m. on the morning of July 13th, Adam was on his way to get breakfast at the mansion when he made a startling discovery. Rebecca was hanging naked from a red rope off of a second-story balcony at the mansion. She was gagged with a blue shirt that had been knotted multiple times and wrapped around her neck. Her hands and feet were bound behind her back with electrical wire. Her body body had fallen nine feet, which was considered a long drop hanging. Adam cut Rebecca down prior to calling 911.
911 and he notified Jonah that Rebecca had hung herself shortly after calling 911. During the 911 call, Adams can be heard attempting to give Rebecca CPR and asking if she's alive. Oddly, during the call, he does not at first give the address of the mansion. Instead, he describes the address as, quote, Ocean Boulevard across from the hotel where you picked up the kid yesterday, end quote. The time frame Adam gave was also incorrect as Max's accident occurred on July 11th, two days prior to Rebecca's death. EMTs tried to revive Rebecca, but she was pronounced dead at the scene. She was 32 years old. Mary has claimed that the police did not reach out to her family to notify them of Rebecca's death. They learned this information from Jonah and had to contact the police themselves. Inside the house, police found the end of the rope Rebecca was hanging from tied to a bedpost inside her bedroom. On the balcony were Rebecca's footprints and a man's boot print. In the hallways outside of her bedroom were drops of what's believed to be menstrual blood and a towel. There was also menstrual blood and hair found in the bathroom shower. In the bedroom on a bookshelf, police found a book of witchcraft that described a ritual involving a naked woman with red rope tied behind her back. Two knives, a trash bag, and two paintbrushes were found on the bedroom floor. Two pairs of gloves were found elsewhere in the mansion. Most mysteriously, they discovered the message, quote, She saved him. Can you save her? End quote. Written on the bedroom door in black paint. That same day, Adam was interviewed by police and given a polygraph test. His results were inconclusive. The interview prior to the polygraph and the polygraph test itself were both filmed by police. In the video, Adam appears to be defensive and agitated. There are several police practices in the case that have widely been criticized, and one of which is Rebecca's body being left out in the California summer sun for 12 hours before the medical examiner arrived. Unfortunately, three days later on July 16th, Max died after being taken off of life support. His family was heartbroken, and his death was later officially ruled an accident. However, the doctors that worked on Max felt his injuries did not line up with a fall. Instead, they felt they were more consistent with suffocation. Dina would later hire a private investigator to look into her son's death. The investigator found that because of the carpet's thickness, he would not have gained enough speed on his scooter to fall over the banister. They discovered that Max's center of gravity was too low to easily fall over the banister. And finally, the pattern of abrasions found on Max's back did not line up with the police's scenario. Dr. Judy Melanick, a forensic pathologist, told Dr. Phil in 2013 that because of the number of injuries Max had, another person must have been involved in his death. She believes Max was playing on the second floor and Rebecca tried to discipline or warn Max by lifting him up and unintentionally dropping him over the banister. She does admit that there are, quote, multiple scenarios that could explain Rebecca's involvement without it being an intentional death, end quote. Because of this, Dr. Melanick feels Max's case should be reinvestigated. During the sheriff's department's investigation of Rebecca's death, they were not able to find any foreign DNA or fingerprints in Rebecca's room, on the ropes used to hang her, or on any of the knives found, including the knife Adam used to cut her down. The only fingerprints found on a majority of items were Rebecca's. 
internet search history of two computers at the mansion found searches for anime porn and Asian bondage porn, but it's unclear who was searching these terms. Investigators interviewed a neighbor who came forward claiming she heard a woman screaming, help me, coming from the area of the mansion on the night of the 13th. When questioned, other neighbors reported hearing loud music and what sounded like a party going on at the Spreckles mansion on the 13th. An eyewitness also claimed to have seen a woman matching Dina's description outside of the Spreckles mansion on the night of the 12th. However, CCTV footage from the hospital shows Dina did not leave the building. Despite Dina's alibi, Jonah told police that Dina was quote-unquote giddy when she found out about Rebecca's death and that she could have hired someone to kill her. Rebecca's time of death was sometime between 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. Her autopsy results show four instances of trauma to her head that were explained by her head hitting the mansion during her fall from the balcony. Traces of black paint were found on her body, including her breasts, nipples, nails, and thighs, but not her fingers or the palms of her hands. She had tape residue and what was thought to be menstrual blood on her thigh. There was no semen found and it was concluded she was not sexually assaulted. Police gained access to Rebecca's cell phone records. It showed a text from Nina and several phone calls and voicemails. One unidentified voicemail from 12.50 a.m. that Rebecca listened to and deleted. The police have never been able to regain this voicemail, but Jonah claims to have left Rebecca a voicemail around that time to let her know Max's condition was worsening. On September 2nd, 2011, police held a press conference to share that Rebecca's death would be classified as a suicide. They believe she was so guilt-written after Max's death that she decided to take her life and left quote-unquote, she saved them, can you save her, as her suicide note. Rebecca's family did not believe this to be true and neither did the media. Both Max and Rebecca's death received tons of worldwide media attention since their deaths both took place at an historical mansion in a quiet, wealthy community. Her family felt that with her faith and Burmese cultural upbringing, which views suicide as extremely wrong, Rebecca would never consider suicide let alone take her life in the nude. Rebecca's friends and ex-husband supported these claims. Another major argument was that Rebecca would have been unable to tie her own hands and feet behind her back in a complex way, but the police recreated the bindings and found it was possible. Police also brought up other cases of individuals tying their hands before committing suicide as a way to stop themselves from changing their minds. They also found that Rebecca's footprints were consistent with the way her feet were bound. Despite this, her family felt that Rebecca's death was very similar to Max's death and that Rebecca was murdered and humiliated in the process. It was hard for her family and the public to believe Rebecca would strip naked, bind herself, gag herself, and hang herself in a semi-public place, all while on her period. Following her death, Mary said Jonah had little contact with the family and gave little information following the sheriff's department's press conference. Mary said he did not 
offer them emotional support and only spoke to her family about technical things like funeral arrangements. Rebecca's body was exhumed and an independent autopsy was done in late 2011 by Dr. Cyril Weck. He determined that the hemorrhages on Rebecca's head were caused by blunt force trauma potentially from a hard round object and that she had been manually strangled due to finding a fractured hyoid bone. These fractures would have been caused by strangulation, not hanging. He theorized that the hanging was used to cover up the strangulation. There were also other injuries to the muscles and skin of Rebecca's neck that suggested someone used their hands to strangle her. Finally, Dr. Weck noted a bruise on Rebecca's rib cage that was likely caused by blunt force trauma and potentially was a sign of a struggle. In 2013, Rebecca's family filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Adam Shacknai, Dina Romano, and Nina Romano. Dina and Nina were dropped from the suit after producing alibis. The civil trial began in February 2018, and the family's lawyer Keith Greer argued that Rebecca's death was caused by a confrontation that started in the master bathroom and ended in the bedroom. He argued Rebecca was sexually assaulted, strangled, and hit on the head by Adam before being pushed over the balcony and staging everything to look like a suicide. Greer alleged that Rebecca had been sexually assaulted with the handle of one of the knives found in her bedroom. There was blood all around the handle of the knife, which could only be explained as Rebecca's menstrual blood and a blood transfer mark on her thigh, which he explained happened during the sexual assault. Greer claimed the second knife had Rebecca's fingerprints on the blade, positioned in a way that was consistent with someone holding a knife behind their back for protection. A handwriting expert claimed the message on the door was not a match for Rebecca's handwriting, but that it was similar to Adam's. The knots used to bind Rebecca were nautical-type knots, and the rope was found to be red marine rope. And Adam worked as a tugboat captain and was familiar with these types of knots. Adam's legal team's case was centered on the fact that no physical evidence was found to link Adam to the crime and that he had been cleared by the police. Jonah also took the stand to defend his brother. The jury deliberated for only one day and found Adam Shacknai responsible for Rebecca's death. Adam was ordered to pay the Zahaus $5 million in damages. Adam requested a new trial in late 2018, and in 2019, Greer asked for the case to be dismissed after Adam sought to have the verdict overturned. The Zahau's request was granted by a judge. The insurance company responsible for the damages also settled with the Zahau's family around this time. Rebecca's family hoped this verdict from the civil trial would cause the San Diego Sheriff's Department to reopen Rebecca's criminal case, but the department stood by their original findings after agreeing to take a second look at the case. Following the civil trial, the Zahau sent multiple requests to the San Diego Sheriff's Department to gain access to records revolving around correspondence between officers involved in the investigation, and why the sheriff did not endeavor to obtain the cell phone records of Adam Shacknai when others' records were obtained. Their requests were denied. In July 2020, Rebecca's family sued Sheriff Gore and the San Diego Sheriff's Department to demand the records. In March 2021, a judge agreed to hear arguments from the Zahau family over why the San Diego Sheriff's Department should hand over more details from Rebecca's investigative records. Rebecca's family is hopeful her criminal case will one day be reopened. Del, what are your thoughts on Rebecca's death? 
do you think she was murdered or do you think she did commit suicide? I think that she was murdered. Um, I believe that she was murdered by Adam. There's so much evidence supporting the non-suicide theory. I think that if the family had just saw her and possibly got mad, possibly thought that she was irresponsible, they already had prior issues, and Adam just said, you know what, my nephew doesn't get to live and neither do you. And so he killed her and then he tried to kill her in a manner that was fairly close to the way that Mac was killed. How about you? I completely agree. I think she was murdered by Adam. I don't think there's any way her death was a suicide. Rebecca was reported to be in a good mental state in the time and her sister Mary said Rebecca didn't feel responsible for Max's death. Max wasn't dead at the time of her death so I also don't really think that would be cause for Rebecca to kill herself if she was you know he was still in poor condition at the hospital and really what are the chances Rebecca would go to these lengths to take her own life the not the message to be naked too during your death it was proven that you can tie these knots and kind of move around but why would someone do that it makes no sense to me, I think there is more of a sexual motivation than revenge. In my mind, I've kind of theorized, okay, maybe Adam went to Rebecca that night, maybe to try to have sex with her. Maybe he kind of had some feelings for her. Maybe the vulnerability that tragedies like this bring out in people kind of made him think her guard would be down. Maybe they could like connect and have like an emotional moment together people do seek out intimacy in times of tragedy like this adam's the only one without an alibi and to me the knots really are telling that he was involved they're nautical knots i haven't heard any theories or facts as to rebecca knowing how to tie these knots some people thought maybe it was like a kink kind of thing but i also haven't heard that she was into bondage of any type like i said i don't think it's suicide naked suicide is rare and it's actually been used in other staged suicides in the past. Rebecca was also on her period at the time. Why would you be naked during your period and kill yourself? It doesn't make sense. And something we'll talk about a little later is Asian honor with suicide and being naked during a suicide would be dishonor really it would be kind of an embarrassment to yourself and your family for people to see you in that state I personally don't think that Jonah or Dina had any involvement but I can't say for sure I think Jonah is a little sketchy I think he really tried to put some blame on Dina saying that oh maybe she could have hired a hitman which I don't know if the police ever looked into but it doesn't seem like they did and that voicemail from Jonah I don't really know what to think of that either he claimed that mysterious 1250 voicemail is him saying that Max was in like bad condition and things were looking bad but in an interview that Dina did later on she said that when she found out Rebecca had killed herself she said why like Max is gonna be okay and I don't know if that was maybe you know a mom really trying to hold on to hope or what in that instance but that kind of stood out to me and I wanted to personally point out Adam said some strange things and I think you can really pick up on this whole like defense he has when you hear him um, get interviewed by the police. So some things he said after the civil suit decision when asked if he killed Rebecca, Adam said, quote, hell fucking no, I wouldn't fucking waste my time killing Rebecca Zahal, end quote. Which I think is just a really strange, like, poor taste thing to say. You have better things to do than murder someone who says that. 
especially someone that was essentially accused of murder. He also said Rebecca was getting, quote, a lot from my brother's friends and that she really wasn't accepted, but he was someone that accepted her. And he also shared that he felt Rebecca's family was going after him for money. And so they didn't have members of their church look at them and think, quote unquote, our daughter committed suicide. And during the polygraph interview, which really stuck out to me, it kind of seems like he's making excuses for why his heart rate would be up. He says, like, well, I just cut someone down. I just saw someone dead. I just saw my brother's girlfriend dead. And he tried to say how good of a person he was for cutting her down. It's very strange and very just like on the defense, like no sympathy from him at all. So I really encourage everyone to watch that. I'd also say if you're interested in this case, definitely check out the Oxygen Channel's documentary about it. It's a four-part series called Death at the Mansion. I think it's really interesting and they don't go into it trying to prove one theory or another. They just want to prove that her case deserves to be looked into more. And I learned a lot of things from it that weren't mentioned in other like news reports that I had read. I I think it's one of the most up-to-date things about Rebecca. So I would definitely recommend that. And they talked to a lot of experts that kind of gave me new perspective on things. They talked to like a crime scene analyst and I thought what she had to say was pretty interesting. It's a really awful case and that kind of leads us to what potentially happened to Max. So Del, what are your thoughts on that? So I think that the situation with Max was a tragic accident caused by Rebecca and or Zena not actually watching him the way a child needs to be watched. I think that he was playing. He probably went too fast and didn't realize that, you know, he was really close to the banister and fell over. I don't think that there was any ill intent or ill will or maliciousness behind what happened to him. It's definitely tragic and I can definitely understand the guilt that Rebecca and Zena were feeling because it was their responsibility to watch him. So in that sense is negligent but I think that it is not a malicious negligence. How about you? Based off what some of the experts and the doctors have said, I think Rebecca or Zena were somehow involved in Max's death. I think they unintentionally caused an accident or were part of it. I think I may be more inclined to believe Rebecca caused the accident than Zena, just because Zena was 13 at the time. And one video I watched theorized that Zena may have cracked to the police or the public or someone by now if she was involved. So that kind of makes me think it was maybe more so Rebecca. The one expert story though about Rebecca like hanging Max over the banister, I don't really believe that. But I think maybe they were playing and something went awry. Like accidents happen with kids all the time. And if he was playing around on the staircase, that's already, you know, like more risk for an accident. I don't think I can say exactly what happened, but he did obviously, I would say, go over the banister somehow. Like you said, Del, Rebecca, I don't think had any, you know, intention of harming Max, but I think she maybe somehow played a role. I can't say for sure. It was definitely some type of accident. I believe that it was nothing intentional, like I've been saying, but I I think she was somehow part of it. You know, the evasiveness could maybe be explained away too by she already didn't have a good relationship with these people. She didn't want to give them, you know, any more 
emotional energy than she had at the moment because she probably knew they were just immediately going to blame her and maybe she thought Max would get better and then they could just all talk about it once he got better and recovered. Who knows? It is believed by many that the Coronado Police and San Diego Sheriff's Department show confirmation bias when handling Rebecca's case. Confirmation bias is the seeking or interpreting of evidence in ways that are partial to existing beliefs, expectations, or an hypothesis in hand. It's essentially initial impressions becoming conclusions based on select information and no critical evaluation. It's embracing information that confirms your view while ignoring or rejecting information that casts doubt on it. This happens in everyday life. We've all at some point jumped to a conclusion in our life, the topic of confirmation bias came up often on the Oxygen Channel investigation into Rebecca's death. From the start of the investigation, Mary felt the police were blowing her off and had their own ideas in mind. A police officer that was called to both Max's accident and Rebecca's hanging told Oxygen investigators that the officers figured it was a suicide as soon as they had gotten the call. They based this on how distraught Rebecca Rebecca happened on July 11th. Police also single swabbed a majority of items in the house and Rebecca's room like the bedroom door, which could have skewed results. This potentially shows that certain items that could fit their theory were targeted. This lack of investigation goes to Rebecca's body as well. The documentary investigators claim other areas of her body should have been tested, like her inner thighs, since she was found naked, which would align with a potential sexual assault. Nina claimed she was asked to do a polygraph test by the police. It was scheduled for July 16th, which was the day Max unfortunately passed away. Nina asked for this to be rescheduled, but no one ever reached out to her to reschedule and the test was never given. Based on Adam's polygraph results, another test was recommended by the person performing it, but that test was also never administered. During her 2017 deposition, the neighbor that heard screams for help coming from the mansion said the police were dismissive of her when she initially was questioned by them in 2011. During their analysis, oxygen investigators found potential glove imprints in the paint found on Rebecca's nails, which goes to show that, you know, maybe they were just targeting certain things to fit their narrative. There are theories that Jonah used his wealth and status to get Rebecca's case closed quickly. During police interviews, Jonah asked police to make a public statement declaring that he was not a suspect, a request which was made because his company's stock was lowering due to Rebecca's death. In one interview, he also brought up Rebecca's Asian ancestry and honor as a reason why she would have committed suicide. According to some, Jonah was known to Sheriff Four and that they ran in the same social circles of wealthy people in San Diego. So Del, do you think there was confirmation bias by the Coronado police and the San Diego Sheriff's Department in Rebecca's case? Absolutely. I think that they showed a level of incompetence and they showed a level of we're just going to go with our initial theory based off where our first impressions of this case is without doing any real investigative work. The fact that they automatically said it was a suicide um, definitely raises red flag to me because you 
as a police officer, as a first responder, you don't know that. That is a determination that should be made once the body has been examined by the forensic pathologist along with other evidence at the scene. How about you? I agree. I think, you know, maybe at first glance you could think it was a suicide, but I feel like the minute you start looking into how intricate the bindings were, Rebecca's actual mental state, you could see that with her text with her sister, she was planning things for the future. She did not feel responsible. She said she needed to be there for Jonah and his family to support them, you would see that it wasn't a suicide. It's something deeper and more complex. Yeah, it seems like they really did not do a good job collecting evidence or like analyzing evidence. I mean, why would you take a single swab of a big door? It doesn't make sense to me. It's just kind of like total lack of competency and professionalism, I guess. It's like a one and done. We got to get this out. I do think Jonah probably played a role in getting this done as quickly as possible. It's just so strange to me that the police are so steadfast on their theory, but I think if you told the average person on the street, hey, here are some details. What do you think this woman's death was? Was it murder or suicide? I think the majority of them would say murder. And, you know, the police obviously have some more information and some records that the public doesn't have, you know, access to. But still, there's just so much there that at least shows that this needs to be a reopened case. And even with Max's case, Dina has requested at least once for the police to reopen that and look into that. And they haven't done that either. So, is that confirmation bias where they're saying, yeah, we said it was an accident. We don't really care what these forensic experts have to say. We're just going to go with what we found. We're not really going to take a look, look at this from a different angle and see if something else was possible. That wraps up this week's case. Thank you for listening. Let us know in the comments what you think happened to Rebecca Zahao. You can read more about this case and how to support us in the links below. We will be back next week with a brand new episode. As always, stay safe.